Well, if you're as old as I am, you may remember a movie called Angels in the Outfield. Well, today we're going to talk about Angels in the End Times. Stay tuned. We have a special guest and I can't wait for you to meet him today. Well, today we have a special guest and we're going to talk about studying the book of Revelation in a really unique way, maybe an angle people haven't thought of before. Uh, and it's also, uh, it, it kind of dovetails into another area of theology and that's angelology. But before we get there, I want to introduce our guest. His name is Nathan Jones. He's from Lamb and Lion Ministries. Nathan, welcome to the program. Hey, it's a great honor to be with guys who are so well written in the book of Revelation. I should be interviewing you guys, not vice versa. So thank you. <laughs> you bet. You bet. And you have, you know, we've, we've done this both ways. So we've been on your show, you're on our show. So we, we, we just love networking like that. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And I am super excited about this podcast, not only because Nathan Jones is a great friend of ours, but this title here of this book that he's written called The Mighty Angels of Revelation, I think is one of the best titles I've ever seen. It's an incredible cover as well. And man, it is just chock full of information about all the angels of Revelation. So I'm looking forward to learning some things here, Todd. Absolutely. So Nathan, before we get going, why don't you just share briefly with our listeners kind of how you got interested in Bible prophecy in the first place and how you wound up at Lamb and Lion Ministries? Oh boy. Well, that, that could take the whole podcast, but uh, <laughs> uh, I was uh, in Bible college at Philadelphia Biblical University, now Cairn, and I was studying to be a missions major. After I graduated, I did two years of the mission board, and they were going to send me out to go to Brazil with my new wife, Heather, and we were going to work with street children. And um, so the candidate director said, well, I really think you need to get some real world experience before you go out to the mission field. Well, I left the ministry and quickly found out that a Bible degree does not get one a job. So at the time, <laughs> it's the late 90s, the Internet's starting to boom. I went back to tech school and uh, learned uh, Internet web development design. I worked for a large ISP in Delaware and Maryland. And uh, but I was like, Lord, I am so far away from from the mission field. So I started looking online for another position and I found a mega church in Kentucky that was looking to develop their website and their web presence. And so I served at Southeast Christian Church for six years, but I could never get the leadership to understand that the internet was bigger than just filling the pews inside the church. There was a whole world out there that we could reach. And one day, Dr. David Reagan came to do a conference at our church. He filled all 9,100 seats of the auditorium and I was just blown away. I'd always loved Bible prophecy. I was going to seminary at the time at Southern. And uh, a mutual friend of his uh, who worked on staff said, hey, you know, Dr. Reagan is looking to turn his website into a web ministry. And so all of a sudden I get this call from Dr. Reagan, not his secretary, 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 but you know, directly from Dr. Reagan. And he invites me to come down and interview in Dallas. And that was 15 years ago. And now for the last 15 years, I've served as the Internet Evangelist here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And now, instead of working with a, a number of street children uh, like you guys, we can use the Internet and podcasting mm -hmm. and television all to reach the 4.5 billion people out there with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And we use Bible prophecy as the platform to connect people to the gospel and get them excited about Jesus' soon return. So it's been quite a journey how the Lord's led me to be a missionary in a field that didn't even exist at the time that I was going to college. And now I'm working mm. on my dissertation uh, for a, a doctorate degree in evangelist, uh, uh, 
excuse me, evangelistic apologetics. So I'm really trying to to get out there and, and find new ways to reach people with Jesus Christ. So I really appreciate what you guys do with the Prophecy Pros and and how you reach use the internet to reach. But you guys are internet evangelists, even if you don't have that in your title. <laughs> wow, that is amazing. It's 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 great to hear. Every time I ask a believer for their story, it's neat to hear how with all the road bumps and twists and turns and when you thought you heard the Lord wrong and, and things did seem to go south all along, he was preparing you for something bigger that he had for you that you didn't even realize. So thank you for sharing that, Nathan. That's amazing. Life is like a river, right? You never know when you're going to yeah. end up going down which tributary yeah. where the Lord takes you. Amen. That's Amen. right. That's why we got to be on his boat at all times. You know? Right. So. But we all know the destination, right? That's the wonderful thing about right. Bible prophecy. We know the end of the story, and that brings people hope. Well, and you're absolutely right, Nathan. The The internet is really kind of like the Roman road of the ancient world. It like goes everywhere and everybody's online. And so it is a great vehicle, a great tool to reach people and to go places like on podcasts and TV shows that physically you'll never travel to. And the same is true, I think, of books that we write. Our books, I'm speaking collectively here, the three of us, uh, go places that we'll never set foot and that is a, a brilliant, beautiful, and wonderful way that God continues to get his word out. I would love to hear about this book right here right now, because I, I know we got you know time limitations, so I know, Ty, we want to jump into this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us why, why angels are such an important part of the book of Revelation. We'll just kind of start there. Okay. Well, it's amazing. There's 108 references to angels in the Old Testament, 176 in the New Testament. That's 284 references to angels in the Bible. And most of them you can find in the book of Revelation. 72 mm-hmm. angels or groups of angels can be found in the book of Revelation. Uh, if I can tell my story how I, I got there to even mm-hmm. finding that out is that my parents a number of years ago got in a real serious car accident. They were right headlong, was hit by a, a young woman who was turned around. She was trying to take care of her baby in the back. And the impact was so strong, it pushed the engine block out of the engine compartment and into onto my mother, who was in the passenger seat. My dad was able to crawl out of the car, and he collapsed in the road. And all of a sudden, he heard the sound of a, a – he loves motorcycles, so he recognized it instantly. It was a Harley-Davidson. And a Harley-Davidson rolled up next to him. He heard the clack of the, the steel-toed boots. They lifted him up, and uh, some guy put him into the grass – he heard the sound of a screech as the car door was being ripped off and my mother was tended to. And then the guy went and checked the other car to make sure they were okay. Well, my father passed out from the pain and he woke up in an ambulance before I was about to leave. And he turns to the medic and says, uh, can you please thank the biker for rescuing us? And the medic says, I'm sorry, sir, there, there's no biker here. And they turn to the cop, cop shrugs. He says, there's no been a biker here. And from this day, my father believes that an angel came and rescued them. And at the time when he told me that, he called me from the hospital, I was pretty skeptical. And here I'm like, well, why am I skeptical about this? I've read the Bible many times. I know there's angels. So I talked with a buddy of mine, Vic Batista, who we have a podcast as well called The Truth Will Set You Free. He says, you know what? If you really want to get to know angels, why don't we go look at the book of Revelation? Because the book of Revelation has more angels in it than any book in the Bible. It's like God unveils, and that's what Revelation means, to unveil. He unveils the spiritual world, and you get to see all the inner workings of how he is doing things using his mighty angels. So we taught through the book of Revelation together over many weeks, eventually turned into a blog series, and 
again, Dr. Reagan came to Vic and me and he says, you know, you guys ought to put that into a book because how many people study the book of Revelation from the angel's point of view? And so we put that book together and praise the Lord. It's, I've got so much good feedback. Uh, it's blessed people. I've heard many other stories of people saying they've had encounters with angels, especially that biker angel. He seems to be out there at rescuing people all over the place. There's one of the angel out there who seems to have an affinity for Harleys. Go figure. But uh, that's kind of how the journey came to writing that book. And uh, I learned a lot. I, and even my research, reading all the other books, especially Billy Graham's book on angels and many others. Uh, mm -hmm. There's so much. Right. I, I even think I threw a little Todd Hampson in there from his spiritual warfare book. Uh, I learned a lot. <laughs> that's that's awesome, cool. Man. Hey, if you want to discover more solid resources about Bible prophecy and eschatology, be sure to check out Harvest Prophecy at HarvestProphecyHQ.com. Well, when you got into Revelation, I assume you didn't find any biker angels, but you found a lot of other kind of angels that we see in Revelation. Why don't you describe some of the kinds of angels? Because they're pretty bizarre in their descriptions, and it kind of can freak people out. So let's talk about some of the different kinds of angels that you see in Revelation. Right. And now in my research, I tried to make sure that I could differentiate between who are the angels exactly and who were questionably angels. For instance, uh, mm -hmm. we learn about the seven spirits and uh, the seven spirits that you find out are, aren't angels per se, but they're actually the Holy Spirit, a representation mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit. And same with references to the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. That's the mm -hmm. pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. So he's not mm -hmm. an angel, obviously, where the seven spirits and the angel of the Lord are two parts or two personages of the Trinity itself. But then we learn from this angel that's kind of John's guide. So it really starts off with the Apostle John. And I try to create some fiction stories to, to begin each chapter to, to help connect people to the storyline. So what we got here is the revealing angel taking John through this journey and all the things that God's showing him through Revelation. And he introduces us to a number of angels, uh, seven to be specific, the angels of the churches. And so if you go mm -hmm. to uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, excuse me, 19, you find out, he says, write the things which you have seen. In other words, what John was seeing in chapter one, the things that are the seven churches, chapters two and three, and that the things will take place after this. And that's chapter four to chapter 22. So Revelation 119 gives us the outline of the book. It also gives us a promise too in chap uh, verse three. It says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. So the Lord gives a bona fide blessing that if you read the book of Revelation and take it to heart and do what it says, then you will be blessed. So uh, I was blessed because as I studied this, I, I learned so much more about Revelation than I'd already known, but I learned so much about how God has got everything in control. This idea that that God's some distant being out there who has no connection. Uh, and then you read Revelation, you see that God's got his fingers in everything. He's got his servant angels running all over the place. And he even has angels over the different churches. So these were seven churches, which is an age of minor at the time now called Turkey. But they also represent different phases of the church era. And so we're near the end of Church of Laodicea. So the Lord had a message to the angel of the Church of Laodicea that the end time version of the church would be apathetic. It would think it's rich, but it's uh, really poor spiritually. And the Lord calls them back to him. And so it gives you a good picture of the church age. 
And once you get to the end of the church of Laodicea, you start moving into a heavenly scene in the throne room of God. You see 24 elders circling the throne of God. Now, that's another example of they're not really angels. You find out that that likely is the church. It could even be us one day sitting on the throne of God because now we're post-rapture, I believe, in the story, and we're introduced to all so many other amazing angels that we could cover. Wow. What an incredible overview. You know, as you were saying that, Nathan, I was thinking a couple things, and some of it's from just yesterday. We had a conversation with a uh, a secular college up in the Northeast. We were privileged to join them and just answer some of their questions about what Christians believe about the end times. We were able to give our testimony. It was amazing. But Excellent. one of the questions was, um, that one of the, one of the students had was about angels. And we, we, we kind of had a discussion about how culture has depicted angels as blonde haired, blue eyed, white, ain't white dudes <laughs> when really, when you read scripture and that's what your book does beautifully is. And what I told them was if, if we see variety in the animal kingdom and everything God has created here, why would we not expect to see that beautiful, even more beautiful variety in the angelic beings? So, and, and your book, like none other that I've read, I think highlights that, that there are some, there's some crazy weird stuff and there's some really cool warrior angels and all this different stuff. But I've actually recommended your book to people to learn about angels and to study through the book of Revelation. Oh, praise the Lord. That was one of the most striking things about angels. You're right, brother. I I think growing up in Americana, I grew up in the seventies and eighties and our, my children's books were really from the fifties and what is it that the angels in the 50s were all, you're right, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, curly guys. They all have wings. They all have white robes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, big Charlton Heston-looking guys. And it kind of gives you that impression that that's what all angels look like. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's not the case at all. The diversity of angels is incredible. Matter of fact, I wanted to kind of capture what a lot of those angels, or a number of them at least, could look like. Brother, God bless you, Todd, for being able to draw. I'm lucky if I can get a stick figure drawn. (laughs) So I hired a a really talented illustrator named Shalise Stevens, and she illustrated uh, 12 different angel pictures uh, based on specifications I gave her from the Bible. And I I think it kind of helps, too. Before each section, there's one of her illustrations there to kind of give it a life. Uh, I didn't have her color them in, and I hear people like to color them in, go figure adult coloring book. So mm-hmm. you're not just getting a book on Revelation or angels. You're also getting an adult coloring book. That's right. But yeah. uh, the one you're showing here about the seraphim, man, the seraphim yeah. are amazing That's, because yeah. as far yeah. as we know, there's only four, maybe Satan five, if he was, uh, although he's called a cherubim, mm-hmm. but the seraphim are different. They're, they're these amazing angels that sit before the throne of God and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Uh, they have six wings and they're covered with eyes and they have different faces, one of a man and one of a lion and one of an ox and one of an eagle. And uh, they have great power and authority. And they're just, they're so bizarre. But then you get to the cherubim who carry the throne of God. The throne of God isn't stationary, but it's it's like a chariot. It moves. And they have not six wings, but they have four wings and they have four faces and they carry the throne of God. And the God doesn't move the throne the angels move the universe, it seems, to where God is. It's, it's kind of complicated. Mm. You have to read Ezekiel to get a, a picture of that. But those are very different. You you read about angels like the stone angels who are colossus. They're giants. You read about angels that look like animals. You read about angels that are elementals like the wind angel and the water angels. 
you read about these weird chimera looking demon creatures and uh, you hear about these locust demons who look like locusts. There's, I mean, there are such a variety of angels because God mm-hmm. Almighty is creative and creator. And so you're right. They're not just a bunch of blonde haired, blue eyed, although maybe there are, I don't know. But the Bible mm-hmm. seems to indicate that they're vastly different just as the animal kingdom is vastly different. That's that's a great point, and and that highlights the fact that you know the word angel means messenger. They they're doing God's bidding. They're they're serving spirits, ministering spirits of the Lord. Uh, Hebrews tells us, and that it makes perfect sense that they would look different because uh, their equipment, if you will, sort of mirrors their purpose. Mm-hmm. And um and of course you know within angelology we have you know the 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 righteous angels or the angels that are that are have not fallen and then of course the fallen angels which are demons and uh it's you know it's it's unknown exactly how the fallen angels appearance changed from what they were obviously they were corrupted and they were you know damaged in some way but you know in terms of their physical appearance do you think that like when you see these locust demons that that we read about in revelation do you think that that is a a potential result of the sin corruption in them that would change the basic makeup of what they even look like? Well, we got to go back to seeing how the Satan and a third of the demons try to rebel against God. Now, ain't, uh, Satan himself is an angel. He's the greatest of all creation. He was the most beautiful. Uh, he's described as kind of a dragon covered in gems and he's, he's full of light. And he was in charge of being uh, over the Lord's, Choir. He was the choir director of all of heaven. And he's hmm. seen God get all the worship. He's like, hey, wait a minute. I'm pretty awesome. I should get worship too. And he convinces a third of the angels to join him. They try to overthrow God. But, you know, as powerful as the angels are, God is ultimate. Angels are nothing compared to God. And, of course, they failed. And God cast them out of heaven. Now, what's interesting is that it seems that there's two groups of angels there's the ones that have become disembodied spirits who the Lord, uh, Jesus, when he was here, spent a lot of time casting out of people. He said they roam like they're in the desert and dry land looking for someone or something to inhabit. But then you read in Revelation about a number of plagues because the Lord is going to put 21 judgments on the earth during what's called the tribulation. And you've got these monstrous looking demons that are released from the center of the earth. And they mm-hmm. have physical bodies and things like that. So it could be an and again, it's estimated that when the Lord uh, judged the world in the flood, that he took these really bad ones, ones that were dealing with Nephilim, which we talk a little bit about Nephilim in here, and, and maybe he cast them into this pit. So there's there's two separate camps right now. Uh, you've got the ones that are disembodied who are plaguing us and, and are Satan's army, and the other ones that are being held uh, waiting that. Now, it's interesting that when the Lord deals with a lot of these demonic creatures, they're almost insane. Have you noticed that when you read about mm-hmm. them? They exhibit signs of schizophrenia, uh, mental degeneration, uh, uncontrolled emotions. Uh, I have a friend of mine who's in a deliverance ministry, and uh, he says all the time, you know, they, they're, they're like, it's like dealing with the Joker. They're insane. And so, Jeff, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you there. I think that uh, because of their sin, they're so depraved and so wicked. And we know that sin degrades you, that these guys are like, I guess you can make a comparison saying a zombie army. They're so decayed, so mm. mentally broken. Now, mm. are they still evil and, and still sinister and, and super intelligent? Yeah. I mean, we read about in uh, Ephesians 6.12, where we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but 
against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So they're not a bunch of doofuses like we read in screw tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got the stupid angel, but then you have the smart ones too. So you mm-hmm. don't underestimate. They are far more powerful and intelligent than we are. Uh, but they're on a short leash. And before anyone gets worried, we know the Lord will uh, cast them into the lake of fire and destroy them in the end. Amen. Yeah, I've heard. I think it was, uh, I forget who famously said, uh, even the devil is God's devil. Maybe it was Martin Luther or somebody. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, God uses all of them. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, I didn't mention that early on, that you don't just cover the good angels in Revelation. You also cover the fallen angels, and which is just as important. And you see how God use them and and had them saved for this purpose at this time and it's something we can't quite understand that god would use fallen angels to do his will but that's what we find in scripture so it's uh you know and it is some fantastical stuff i always tell people if you can believe genesis 1 1 nothing in revelation should be hard for you to believe um it it's uh in my book on revelation i talk about how the 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 the, the paranormal becomes the new normal in the tribulation period we we see little hints of it now, but once you're once we're in the tribulation period, it's like all gloves are off. And at times, as you're reading, you almost can't tell what's what's from the unseen realm, what's in the physical realm, and then how all that merges together. It's going to be a very strange time. I think way worse and way crazier than most people even realize. Which thankfully we get to get out of here before any of that stuff. So amen to that. Yeah. Now here's a question for you guys, being uh, so knowledgeable about the Book of Revelation. What did the seven thunders have to say? (laughs) That's a good question because it's sealed up, right? Ah, yes. That's one (laughs) of those people come to come to read the book and they're like, I'm going to get every answer about every angel out there and what all happened in Revelation. And and then you get to some point where the Bible doesn't say it. We can't say it. We can guess and assume and make sure we say we guess and assume. But right. That is the one thing about uh, as I went. Well, there's many things, but. When I got into Revelation, it's like, what did the seven thunders say? Are we ever going to know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And, and Jeff and I talk about that a lot, the importance of let Scripture speak for itself. If it's silent or mysterious about something, let it be silent and mysterious because it's that way for a reason. Uh, people get into trouble when they start trying to read stuff into it. Yes. Yeah. You, you let the Bible, uh, we here at Lamb and Line Ministries go by the golden rule of interpretation. If the plain sense makes sense, Look for no other sense lest you end up with nonsense. And so when we interpret the Bible, Amen. we interpret it yeah. literally. Now, the wonderful thing about Revelation, I'm sure you guys encounter this all the time, but people say, oh, Revelation is too hard to understand. There's there's all these symbols. There's signs and, and dragons and, and beasts. And well, what do they mean? And the wonderful thing about Revelation is it gives you the answer to the symbols. It'll tell you what the symbols represent or if it's kind of like the final exam and a test, you can go back to other parts of the Bible and find out what these symbols mean. And so that's a beautiful thing about Revelation. I want to encourage people that Revelation isn't hard to understand. It's it's hard to believe, but if you believe it, then you'll understand it. And so use mm. the symbols and the explanations for it. Read the Bible, get the full. If you need help, pick up books by Jeff Kinley and Todd Hampson. They're excellent helping you understand the book of Revelation. And revelation is impossible to understand. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. Hey, Nathan. So <clears throat> let's just say we've got a listener here. Uh, maybe um, I'm just going to say she's a 29 year old mom and she's listening to this podcast right now. 
and she's she's thinking to herself, what are some of these good angels in Revelation? Maybe pick out maybe two or three of the, the angels in Revelation that are doing something great and mighty for God. What might be a couple of the sort of the mountain peaks of what these mighty angels are doing for God through the book of Revelation? Oh, wow. There's so many to choose. It's like you're asking me, who's my favorite child? Okay. <laughs> exactly. uh, well, I, I, most people would say the archangels. Uh, people, Michael the archangel is actually assigned that the head angel of all the angels is assigned to guard Israel. I mean, we've seen in mm-hmm. history throughout uh, Israel's modern history, miraculous victories that Israel's military can't explain. Well, that's the archangel Michael and his forces defending them. We learn about uh, Gabriel has Gabriel as the head announcer or head messenger is also an archangel. And it could be that Satan himself, too, was an archangel. We have warrior angels, angels that that actually serve the Lord in combat. Can you imagine that? The demons and angels. And we don't know. They we know they carry swords because there are examples with, say, Joshua, the commander of the Lord's army, showed up with a sword, the angel with the sword that blocked off the Garden of Eden. He had a sword. So maybe there's physical fighting as well. But we also read about angels that do the care services, the escorting angels that when you die, the Bible says you're escort, escorted up to heaven by his angels to meet Jesus face to face. There's wow. angels that are out there providing nourishment and protection for people. They're they're the, like the care guard or the coast guard of the the angel groups. We have, of course, worshiping angels who are there, choirs, untold of amounts of angels, mm-hmm. billions upon billions singing and praising God. And we'll get to be part of that choir one day. We have uh, the fire angel, which is the 53rd angel. I mean, he's actually on fire. I, I just, I can't <laughs> wait to see what, what he looks like. Mm-hmm. And then we have all these other angels that come in and protect the Lord. You know, when we return with Jesus Christ, and see him defeat Satan and the Antichrist, we're going to be riding white horses. Well, I looked into the if the white horses could be angels themselves, horse looking mm. like angels, and we'll be riding them back with Jesus Christ. So if you know Jesus is your Savior, one day you'll be riding one of those horses. So there are all mm. sorts of angels. There's a good news angel. There's a gospel angel that spreads the gospel mm. around the world during the tribulation. And then when we're in the New Jerusalem, there's the guardians of the 12 gates. The super city that we'll live in one day has 12 gates, and there's a guardian angel in front of each gate, ceremonially, of course. So there are so many amazing angels in the book of, of Revelation. And likely, like we said, the villains are just as bad and just as evil. But uh, mm-hmm. on the flip side, the opposite is God's good angels are faithful to the Lord. And what's neat about them is John twice fell down and wanted to worship the, his, his angel, the revealing angel. He said, no, 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 don't do it. I, I'm a servant like you. Worship God. And so the angels yeah. are very humble, and they're servants just like we are. Even though they have all that power and all that strength, they're servants just like us. It's always interesting to find out where people find the Prophecy Pros. I mean, what application they're listening to the podcast on and how they came to know that we even existed. Well, let me tell you somewhere you can go to listen to not only our podcast, but others as well. It's called the Edify Network. That's E-D-I-F-I. There you can listen to not only our podcast, but many other leading Christian voices today. Go to Edify and listen. Man, what an what an amazing snapshot of all of that. You yeah. know, it, as you're saying that, I'm sitting here thinking, isn't it wild that even... 
the unbelieving culture right now is fascinated with like the Avengers and all this other stuff, which is basically the world's version of everything that you're talking about. So if we're created in the image of God, we know inherently that some of this stuff is is in the future, even if we can't put our fingers on it. So it's wild to me that even the world is longing for that kind of thing, because it does sound if it weren't true, it would sound absolutely crazy. But we know it's true because scripture is true and we yeah. take it at face value. Um, one, you mentioned Michael, the archangel to me, it is absolutely telling about God's plan that he has a specific archangel just protecting Israel, just watching over Israel. And then in the book of Daniel, we also read about that. There's a a fallen angel in Persia who resisted Michael when he was coming to deliver a message to, to Daniel, when Daniel was fasting and praying and that kind of thing. So we kind of, what, what do you, what would you tell our listeners about, how God has this set up? Like, are there angels over each, over regions or over countries or what indicators in scripture do we find about that? And how does that play into the end times? Yes. The, the angels, uh, you have everything from the buck private up to the five-star general that there's a, a definitely <laughs> a military a theme going throughout the hierarchy of the angels. The same with the demons. They're set up the same because you read about uh, Satan, but you also read about Abaddon, the general who's released and leads the demons during the middle of the tribulation. Uh, we read about other archangels, but then there's all the more, I guess, a support cast angels. And that mirrors the world, because as I read in Ephesians, the world, we have governments all the way down to municipalities, and there are angels and demons involved in each. I, I think we're seeing, mm-hmm. as we get closer to the tribulation, uh, the veil starting to be pulled off just a little bit. I mean, especially mm-hmm. with this all this... World Economic Forum and Great Reset, we're actually seeing the demonic start to peek its head out a little bit. They're more mm-hmm. brazen. I Just uh, recently, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona held SatanCon, the biggest satanic gathering of the world. I mean, so wow. they're not even hiding anymore. They're feeling freer mm-hmm. to come out, freer to persecute the church. So, But on our side, and, and there's times where it feels like we're losing the battles, but it's because God's working the world towards the tribulation and his, his mm-hmm. end purposes. But we have angels that are caregiving angels. We have angels that protect us. They're, we might even have guardian angels. We have, like I said, escorting angels that take you to heaven. Uh, God's forces are, are just involved. We God has angels. We read about the wind angels managing the weather. So all this talk about global warming, even if the world is warming, God still got it all in control. His angelic yeah. forces are, are managing the weather, and the, we read about the water angels managing the water as well. So God's got it all in control. And what we Christians have that the other side doesn't is this. We have the God of the universe. When Jesus returns, and this is my favorite part of the book, the end of the tribulation, the second coming when Jesus returns, does he use the angels to defeat the Antichrist and the false prophet? Does he use the church that comes back with them? Not at all. Jesus just <laughs> speaks and the enemies just yep. collapse and he gets Satan and he binds him. We have the jailer angel wraps him up and throws him into a pit for a thousand years. And, and at the end of the thousand years, Satan is released to tempt the children who were born in the millennial kingdom. And Jesus doesn't waste any time. Fire comes down and incinerates him. God is that mm-hmm. powerful. So whenever you feel like evil is winning, know that our side, not only is the angelic side twice as large, but we have the God of the universe that tips the scale fully on God's side. Mm-hmm. Wow. Gosh, that's so cool. A couple of things just jumped out from what both of you guys just said. One is 
the, the idea that angels are really supernatural superheroes, you know, like you said, Todd, mm-hmm. and they're much better than the Fantastic Four or, you know, some other mm-hmm. uh, superhero thing that people are really longing for. They're longing for something supernatural to come deliver them. Well, guess what? Angels are a part of doing that and that they, uh, they exist for our good, for God's glory, for God's uh, eternal and apocalyptic purposes that God has scripted this uh, narrative ahead of time. And then I love what you said about the the, the whole climate change. So there, the, the idea in, in tribulation is that there are climate change angels essentially that are affecting <laughs> the whole, you know, uh, geosphere up there, you know, and, and mm-hmm. what's going on in the heavens and on the earth and that type of thing. So I, I usually, uh, couch into the terms it's going to be climate change on steroids so uh <laughs> stuff's definitely coming down the pike um, yeah. but I, I do think that this whole discussion about angels really is sort of a wetting the appetite for people uh, there nathan i think it's something that people when they understand wow there's an entire world of of angelic activity and and beings that most christians have really never heard of they just mm-hmm. know oh he came to announce to mary or whatever but there's so much there. And that's why this book, The Mighty Angels of Revelation, uh, is a great resource, a great tool, a great study uh, for folks to dive into the subject of angels. So we encourage our listeners to uh, get a copy. So Nathan, how can someone get a copy of this book? I'm going to hold up the title here, The Mighty Angels of Revelation. How do they get a copy of this? Just go to our website, ChristInProphecy.org, or of course it's on Amazon. We have it on Kindle, Nook, uh, iBooks. Uh, anywhere where you can get an ebook or a print book, we've got it out there. Awesome. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, Nathan, we thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Literally, we could keep the, the cameras and the mics rolling for about two or three hours and just bounce ideas off each other because we I'd love to pick your brain even about things, you know, what what's the role and the relationship between angels and and our us and our glorified bodies in the millennial kingdom. I mean, there's all kinds of questions we could get into. So we'll have to have you back sometime to maybe tackle some some more discussion. This has been really fun. And we really, really appreciate you uh, coming to join us on today's podcast. Uh, the honor is mine, gentlemen. You guys are uh, just amazing preachers, speakers, teachers of the Bible. And I'm very honored to be on your podcast. Look forward to being with you uh, this summer at your conference. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of the Prophecy Pros podcast. We'll have notes and everything so you can uh, get Nathan's information, but uh, you heard it here where you can get in touch with them and where you can buy the book. So please pick that up. If you want an interesting way to study Revelation and at the same time study angelology and spiritual warfare and all the things that Christians should be aware of, you definitely want to pick up this book and check out uh, Nathan's other information and the other stuff from Lamb and Lion Ministries. So thank you so much. Until next time, this is Jeff and Todd along with Nathan for another episode of Prophecy Pros Podcast. We also want to thank our sponsor, Harvest House Publishers, for making this podcast possible. Jeff and I consider this a ministry dream team. We literally could not do this without you, and we're so thankful for this opportunity to get creative, biblically sound media out to the world in new and exciting ways. 